0: Welcome to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters, and I am Doug. We're up to episode 12, and I traveled into Manhattan (laughs) too. I drove a half hour into Manhattan and sat down with the event coordinator, Vonda High. This is the second time I've sat down with Vonda. Actually, the first time was on the phone in episode four. We decided that we were going to talk about how you get from saying yes to an engagement to kissing everybody goodbye at the end of the party. And we really get into the nuts and bolts of the actual math of how a budget for a wedding works. Just one thing, the police sirens that you may hear in the background occasionally are just part of the charm of doing a remote podcast in the city. I think this one is a must for all brides and grooms. To tell the truth, I'm learning along with you. For example, I just learned that the amount of people that say no to your invitation to your wedding is known as the decline rate. So enjoy this one. Here's Vonda.
1: Whether you have five thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, or two million dollars, you're still on a budget. And someone who can spend two million dollars isn't gonna want to spend three. You can't just go, oh, it doesn't matter. Right, you open st- checkbook. It, there's literally never an open checkbook, and you still have to justify the expenses. You can never go to a vendor and say, just do me. I don't care what it costs. <laughs> That's you know just not responsible.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you
1: always have a budget. Right. And we sit down and we talk about how many guests do you anticipate? Because your biggest piece of any wedding is your guest count. A wedding with 50 guests is one budget level. A wedding with 200 or 500 guests, that's an entirely different budget level. If you have $50,000 to spend and you've got 50 guests, you've got a really nice wedding. If you have $50,000 and 250 people, that's a much more... Reasonable, our our, our constrained Must. budget. Yeah. You're being very cautious at that point, so we have to figure out your guest count first. You don't have to know exactly, but you need to know approximately. Like you say, maybe we're expecting two twenty-five to two fifty. You have an idea of where you're headed, and then usually when you talk to the site, you find out what the max is for the room and if they have minimums, so that you know that. We're expecting 225 to 250, but the room max is at 250. You need to know that in case as you're putting together the guest list, all of a sudden you realize you're at 275.
0: I was just going to say it can't become 270. Right, exactly.
1: I mean, if you have a wedding close to Thanksgiving or Christmas or right around a lot of school graduations or the start of school, um, you're going to have a higher decline rate. If you are the fifth cousin to be getting married in the last couple of years, no, your your aunts and uncles might not travel from L.A. to New York right. because they've been to three weddings already and it's like, oh, this is getting expensive, I just can't do it this time, even though they might want to be. So where you are in the wedding pecking order of the family <laughs> also has something to do with it, how many times people have traveled, and obviously someone who's going to travel from London or China, that's going to be a serious, uh, a more serious decision than if you're traveling from Soho to Midtown. Yes. And so all of those things affect your decline rate, so to speak. And I've now, in 30 years of doing weddings, I've only had this happen once, but I did have a wedding where I had zero decline rate no one declined. And we were so screwed.
0: It was oh, real really? oh, you expected <laughs> we maybe expected, 20 people wouldn't show?
1: We expected, well, it was. we had like 10 over, um, which I thought was a pretty safe over. Well, what we ended up doing was we had some kids. So we ended up putting together a kid's table and moving it to a not particularly attractive part of the room sure. which I would have rather not have used but for the kids we could use it and it worked yeah. um so we did that but and it's only happened once but I've also had weddings where I've had close to 30% decline rate and it really because there were so many international people the travel was tough and it was a really tough time of the year so it it really can vary and you shouldn't always trust On a 15 to 20% decline rate, you really need to, if you do have a firm maximum number for your wedding, Mm -hmm. you need to be very respectful of that. Otherwise, that is something where... You can't fix that. All of a sudden, your sit-down dinner is no longer a sit-down dinner. It's a long cocktail hour because right. you don't have room for everyone to sit down. And that can be devastating.
0: But financially, uh, probably the more responsible thing is to worry about the minimum.
1: There are a lot of places that don't have minimums. They put a minimum in the contract um, because they need to reserve their staffing. And if they're reserving their staffing for 200 people and you show up with 100 people they're in trouble. So they they will still put a minimum. And then that is a minimum though that you determine and that you put in the contract. Okay. And it should be significantly less than what you anticipate. So you don't get screwed. (laughs) Okay. You know, the client is maneuvering through these contracts. And the
0: budget is right out there. Between you and and the client, say, okay, so we've used X percentage on the venue?
1: Well, usually the the basic rule of thumb is that your food and beverage makes up 50% of the budget. Your food and beverage is comprised of the following elements. Um, Food, bar, and bar has two elements, alcohol and what's called bar setups, which I'll explain in a second. Mm -hmm. Then you also have all of your wait staff, service staff. Um, then sometimes there's rentals that are a part of that. Some sites bring have all the rentals you need. Some places you have to bring it in. And then you have your administrative tax, your gratuity, your state tax. So there's a couple of what we call plus pluses. Okay. Um, so you might call a site and they'll say, oh, yes, we have that date available and we can um, have 200 people with dancing in our ballroom and our price is 150 per person plus plus. What that means is that $150 um, is their starting point for their wedding menu packages. And then, and you can obviously build up to that, build up from that. And then on top of the 150 is your local tax, which in New York is significant at 8.75%. And then your administrative fee, which is anywhere from 18 to 23% added on top of that.
0: Wow. And
1: that's a, that's a big hit.
0: That's the plus plus.
1: And then there's gratuity usually on top of that. And your gratuity is now the way you figure gratuity really ranges, but a safe rule of thumb is five to eight percent of the food and beverage total.
0: This is what I was hoping you would talk about. This is the kind of nuts and bolts (laughs) that that I've always wondered about, and I think people do.
1: Well, it's, and that's why people say, oh, God, this is 150 per person. I can do this.
0: All right, so let's do the math. Do do the math. So 150, no, 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 I I don't mean physically. Okay. Okay. I need to run and get my calculator. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Just ballpark. So 150 plus plus, so it's really plus 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 if the gratuity is that they're. Correct. Okay, so. 180 becomes closer to 190? Oh. It can be a big jump. Oh, so 150 can be 250.
1: Yeah. If someplace goes, says I'm 150, I'm by the time you actually see what the 150 gives you and you add in a station or you upgrade from the green leaf mixed salad to a avocado crab timbali. Um, oh, but we're not
0: even talking about that. We're talking about just the basic 150. That's
1: what I'm talking about. the The 150 is usually your entry level menu pricing, and then
0: the plus plus plus. No, then you can (laughs) add
1: to the menu because let's say that menu at 150 per person is six past hors d'oeuvres, no stations, open bar for one hour, um, wine for dinner. And then a choice of entree, uh, first course, and uh, dessert. And so then you go, okay, well, I want a station, and I want eight past hors d'oeuvres, and I want open bar for the whole night just for cocktails. Um, and I would like, I don't want just a first course of a green salad, I'd like something else. Uh, that's how you start adding up.
0: But those of you who can't see, my mouth just, my jaw just dropped <laughs> when I realized that. I didn't realize that an open bar for the whole night is not part of the... Well,
1: bike. sometimes it is. Okay. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Yeah. And so those are all part of the questions that you have to ask when someone says, I'm 150 a person or I'm 250 a person, <laughs> or they could say, I'm $65 a person. And your question always is, what does that include? And you look at what that includes. Right. Um, a basic wedding is generally, um, if you're not in a church or temple, mm-hmm. you have a call. I'm just going to make up these times. Yeah. You have what's called a call time at 6 o'clock, a ceremony at 6.30. 6.30 to 7 is your ceremony. You usually allow for about a half an hour for a non-temple church Wedding. If you're in a church or temple, it's very often a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. we'll say half an hour. So six thirty to seven is ceremony. Seven to eight, one hours cocktails, and then eight to twelve, four hours for dinner and dancing. And you'll also find, as you know, your band contracts are for four hours. Exactly. Um, if you're hiring, or six
0: hours, like the, like you're saying, you, you know, are, an hour for the ceremony. ceremony
1: exactly. You yeah. add in. Now, if so, breaking that apart. What do you get pre ceremony? What do you get for cocktail hour? What do you get for dinner and dancing? Um, the food, weight staff, bar offerings, you need to evaluate for those different segments and figure out what you're getting. And sometimes you'll look at that and go, This is awesome. What a deal. I can take it 150 per person. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you look at it and say, Well, They don't offer anything before ceremony and everyone's traveling, so I'd really like to at least offer them sparkling water or an apple cider or something, let alone champagne. Um, Then for cocktails, they have the open bar and six past hors d'oeuvres, but your family really wants some stations and that is an extra $10 per person, um, (laughs) you know, exactly, et cetera, et cetera. Or you love sushi and sushi is $15 extra per person. Um, then when you get to the dinner and dancing part, then you realize that their wine service is included, or maybe the open bar and not wines, because they allow you to pick whatever wines you want and there's a huge price range. So you you ask those ah. questions, um, or what they offer at the 150 is package one, and you can also then pick look at package two at 175 per person, or package three at 200 per person, depending upon what they're offering. Obviously, if you are a venue um offering someone a chicken and salmon option is very different from offering them short rib or lobster. Yes. And so there's going to be different pricing levels and someone's not you're not going to pay the same thing for a chicken entree as you will for a short rib or a lobster. And so the places will have different offerings different package levels, they start at 150, but you might end up at 200 because that's the food you really want. Um, Even a place that includes the wines um, for all night, you might taste their house wines and go, oh, we maybe upgrade <laughs> <laughs> those those chardonnay's just don't don't do it for me or you're including a cabernet and i love a pinot noir can i have a pinot noir and they'll say yes and that's an extra sure. 5 dollars <laughs>
0: i just <didn't> say 20 <laughs>
1: um or you might taste the champagne and go oh my god that's really not great how much will it cost to do um a bouclicot mm-hmm. and um or you might, you know, there's lots of things sure. that you can go back and forth. Or yeah. we love rosé. Can we include a rosé? Or um, they include um, a dessert but not a wedding cake. Um, or they include the wedding cake and no dessert. <laughs> so, I mean, there's <clears> all <throat> kinds of things. Yeah. That's where you just have to ask lots of questions.
0: More of my conversation with the great fund. Hi, but first, it gives me great pleasure to introduce a new sponsor to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast, Manly Bands. The people at Manly Bands know how frustrating it can be for men to choose a wedding band that they can feel confident wearing. That's why they started Manly Bands, to help men find wedding bands that fit their personality and their budget. They offer some of the best prices in the business, with each unique ring costing less than $200. Manly Bands can help men stand out from the crowd by being able to select a wedding band that matches their personality, instead of going with a traditional, and let's face it, boring gold or silver ring. Each Manly Band is available in a wide range of sizes from 5 to 17, catering to both men and women of larger and smaller sizes, offering a great range of stylish choices and often hard-to-find ring-size options. What's more, Manly Bands offers super-fast shipping, often less than three to four days, which is great for men who've already procrastinated in buying their wedding band, as well as amazing customer service, free U.S. exchanges, and a 30-day We got You." bro return policy if the customer doesn't love their Manly Band. In addition, every Manly Band includes a one-year no-hassle warranty. So check out the website at manlybands.com. That's M-A-N-L-Y B-A-N-D-S. Type in the promo code Wisdom and save 15% on all orders. Manly Bands, we get you because we were you.
1: Um. But going back to the basic budget piece okay. is that you know when you're looking at sites, you look at their basic piece, know that there's a plus plus, and when I'm doing a basic budget, someone might say, "Okay, look, I have a hundred thousand dollars. Great. We know then that we've got 50,000 for food and beverage, 50,000 for everything else. Let's divide that up between the band, the photographer, um, the uh, ceremony musicians, the invitations, hair and makeup, transportation. All of those things become part of that 50,000. You break it up into percentages and say, okay, Based on this hundred thousand dollars, we have fifty thousand for food and beverage that includes tax gratuity, everything, which means that you 're probably spending closer to i without a calculator yeah, I apologize course. for the math no, of course but let 's say we 're spending thirty five thousand for the actual food, so that if we know we have hundred guests at thirty five thousand this is X number is what we're spending per person. Now we're going to go and look at sites that have that price point of you know $200 a person because we know that's what we need to go to to get to the 50000 as part of our $100,000 budget. You kind of work your way back into it. Then you look at your various vendors and say, based on the $50,000, um, this is how much it divides up if we just sort of look at it across the board, but we love, love, love music, mm-hmm. which, of course, obviously, you would like to have someone say.
0: <laughs> Very so. Much so I'm going to
1: spend more on the band, and I'm going to cut back on um, the invitations because the paper goods aren't that important to me. So instead of spending... $7,000 on the band. I really want a band that's 12000 So now I need to take 3000 out of other places in order to afford the band I want. Because you're going to pick your band earlier than you're going to do your paper goods. So when you get to the paper goods, you then can't go, oh, but I really love that liner and I want to do hand calligraphy. Well, Great, but we can't afford that right now, so we have to stick to the the, the, you the ready budget. Wanted, you
0: already wanted the horns with the band. Correct. Yeah. We've expanded.
1: <laughs> We're going to do that great Motown set, and that's going to be more important to you than the liner and the invitation.
0: Okay, so that's, you figure 50% is...
1: Fifty percent is for the food and beverage and the things tied to food and beverage. Got it. And again, that is literally the food. It is the bar, and the bar includes your alcohol, your spirits, your wines, and then your bar setups. And your bar setups are things like your sodas, your juices, your ice, and your fruit. And sometimes when and the reason why those are two different costs. Are that if you're going to a place like the Plaza um, or a Hilton, or your country club, it will the bar will all be one. It will include all of those items. If you hire an offsite caterer, because let's say you're doing a wedding in your family's backyard and you're putting up a tent and you're hiring a caterer, most caterers do not have liquor licenses. Some do. The big guys do, but some don't. Oh, interesting. In which case, you hire your caterer to serve the alcohol, and they will have liability insurance. They will bring the ice, the the sodas, the juices, the fruits. They will serve everything and make it happen, but you as the client and the host of the evening buy the alcohol and the wine, bring it to the site, and then they serve it. So very often... Your bar costs come as the alcohol costs and the bar setup costs. They come as two different pieces. And even if you are at the pier, for example, or the Hilton, um, or a country club, you will walk in and they will have a wedding bar cost. Um, and then you can grow beyond that by increasing the red wine to something special or bringing in a rosé or having a better champagne or a specialty cocktail. All of those things can increase your bar cost.
0: Okay. So you get it. So actually figuring out the food and the wine and all that stuff is you really, if if you're going to go by your magic number of 50%, 50%, you kind of have to figure out the additions that you're going to have, the, you know, you're going to have the shrimp. Well, you're you, have the lo- you know, you know, you know what your the, max is. Yeah. So yeah. you have to figure that out before you hire a $15,000 band as opposed to a $9,000 band. Yes.
1: You also don't want to hire a band or photographer until you have the location locked in, because until you have the location locked in, you don't have your date locked in. And there's no reason to hire a band for September 8th wow. when all of a sudden it's like, well, the Perfect place is actually now September 9th because they're already booked on September 8th. So we're actually doing the wedding on Sunday instead of Saturday.
0: Sunday instead of Saturday night.
1: Right. And then you had to go back to the band, and then the band that you've locked into a contract said, Well, I'm already booked for that day. (laughs) You know, it's like, No, no, no. (laughs) So let's. Taking it's it's a bit like like climbing a set of stairs. You have to take each step at a time. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Right, right, right. So you lock in your site, you lock in the date, um, and then you know that what your pricing is, and then you can go with the rest of the um, vendors.
0: Okay, so the next vendor you go to is...
1: Well, after you get your location locked in, the next two important vendors, from my perspective, are your band and your photographer. The reason right. for that is that each of those are vendors that once they're hired, they're hired for the day. They can't do multiple events. Right. A florist can do many events on a day. A, a baker can do many events on a day. You as a band... You can't be in two different places. Right. Now, some some band operations have multiple bands. Right. But if you're really looking forward to the Doug Winters band right. and you're already booked, you're in trouble. Right. Um, so um, you go and you hire the band and the photographer, then you look at the other vendors. Now we get into percentages based on what their priorities are. What's left. What's left. And if we take our $100,000, we have $50,000. And your $50,000 is now spread across band, photographer, floral, lighting, invitations, dress, transportation, um, an assortment of little things like welcome bags, necessity baskets, um, all kinds of things. In other words, everything
0: you can possibly imagine, including the dress.
1: Including the dress. Well, if... Unless you're, whoever's giving you money says, I'm giving this money just for the um, food and beverage and band, and your dress is from a separate budget, it's all for the wedding. It's yeah. That wedding dress isn't a dress you're wearing anyplace else. <laughs> so it is part of the wedding, but same thing with hair and makeup. It's part of the wedding day expenses. That was fascinating
0: on the, on the, the last time we spoke that you said that it's become a trend. That when you first started, people didn't even have hair and makeup people. And now they literally have...
1: Multiple trials with multiple, multiple trials, stylists. Yeah, which is fascinating. It's a, it's a really big deal a now. Hey, who
0: has the time to do that?
1: It's part of what adds to the stress of the day, because you're adding more steps to the wedding planning process, and there's not more hours in the day, and people are working harder and longer. Um, The whole idea of a nine-to-five job Monday through Friday... Doesn't exist.
0: It hasn't existed in 30 years. Yeah,
1: well, in a really long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's say that both in Manhattan, one works for Goldman Sachs, one works for Skadden Arbs, and they both work 18 hours a day. And um, We have meetings literally at 10 o'clock on a Sunday.
1: Um, I had a, a bride several years ago who was a lawyer, and she had just recently gotten a job as an assistant DA. And her hours were inhuman. Right. And we literally had meetings at 10 o'clock on a Sunday because that was – and it was, it was gut-wrenching. She was exhausted. Uh, and to try and – And what she, should be fun – was planning really the tough. Best day of their lives. Was really tough, but it was, it was the life that she had chosen. Yeah, she a was lifestyle. beyond thrilled to have gotten this position, and it was an incredibly important position. It was like, wow, you know, just like that is awesome. Yeah. But to have just started that job and be planning a wedding at the same time was really rough.
0: Right. So you have to have a party planner if you're going to do that.
1: Well, or what someone, you, to,
0: someone to do it.
1: Or what you do is, uh, the answer is, of course, I think you need a party planner always. Yeah. Um, that's a little self-serving.
0: No, I, I do too. Um,
1: but what you can also do, any site of value, uh, any site that's been doing weddings for a while, you can go to them and say, what dates do you have available? Let me look at your packages. Great. What time do I show up? The site will plan it. Doug, you will know if someone hires your band and gives you no information. Right. You will still be able I mean you're a pro. You've been yeah, doing this for years. Absolutely. You can still read a crowd. You will still show up. You will play music um during the cocktail hour. The maitre d' could tell you the introductions. Mm-hmm. You can pull it um sort of like I'll pulling it, it out of the hat. You'll do it. Yeah. Um, It will not be a wedding that's going to be reflective of that bride. It's going to be a wedding that's reflective of what the site and you— And
0: each individual vendor.
1: Each individual vendors believe will work based on their personal experience, and they will give it their best. They will give that bride what they believe the best um, effort that they will do. And that will be great, but it will not necessarily be special to her needs and her family it 'll be a, a really lovely wedding, professionally done that 's what people who have no time and no planner that 's what they do and there 's n- nothing wrong with that if that 's what your life is allows for sure um, and you still are married, you still get to say, "I do, you still have all of that wonderful joy." Um, and then you just don't worry about the rest of it.
0: Okay, so we've got the venue, the date, the food. We know what the plus, plus, pluses are. We've got the band. We've got the photographer.
1: Then the next thing will be decor. And decor is the current word for florist, (laughs) your decorator, um, because... Most weddings, at least, that I work on, are more than just a centerpiece that gets put down in the middle of the table. Which I'm learning because
0: you introduced me to Danielle Gumbos.
1: That's our lighting people. Right. Um, and decor now covers um, everything from... Tabletop, which is your chargers, your dishes, your silverware, your glassware, the votives, the napkins, the way the napkins folded, your menu cards, uh, your table numbers on the tables, um, to the seat cushions, the type of chairs. Um, It's just the um, everything that ties into the way it looks um, goes under the decorator and under the florist. Um, Usually all in one. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't lots and lots of brides who have, um, you know, a small amount of money and they have a, a lovely site, and the site says, We will give you these chairs, these dishes, glassware, these are our napkins, this is the way we fold it. You tell your florist to give us a centerpiece that will fit on this table. And the florist comes in and puts down a centerpiece that the, that the bride has said, I really love soft romantic flowers, or I love more structural things. Could I have call- um, calla lilies? Or um, I want the whole wedding to be white, or I want everything to be pink and green in blush tones. And the florist goes, I can do that. And they bring in centerpieces for your 20 tables that mm. are all blush in romantic flowers. Or they bring everything in calla lilies, all white. And they put them in the middle of the table, hand you a bouquet, and leave. Of course, that still happens all the time. Sure. What happens, at least in my experience, uh, in more and more so, is um, a much more... Uh, what does the charger look like? What are my options? What kind of napkin fold? What napkins do I Did have?
0: Did you know that it wasn't until I spoke to Kate Edmonds that I knew what a charger was? She said, she said the charger, the charger. Or a place plate. And I said, what is a char-? charger? I finally said, what is a charger? <laughs> and she, she couldn't believe that I didn't know. And could you explain to well, our a, a audience charger, what a charger is? A charger or a place plate, one in the oh, same. Oh, it's called a place plate? One in the same. It's the it big thing that doesn't move.
1: It's the plate that's on the table when you first come in. And very often, there's a napkin sitting on top of it with a menu or some sort of decor. And your guests sit down. They take their napkin, put it in their laps, read the menu, put that off to the side. Then the first course will be served into the charger. And then the charger and the first course are picked up and taken away. And then your entree comes on its plate, and that goes directly onto the table.
0: But your charger Oh, so the just, charger doesn't stay the whole time?
1: Usually not. One, okay. It gets picked up usually with the first course. But the first course gets put down into the charger.
0: Okay, so whether, so it's a different type of charger, if it's a soup, some, as opposed to a.
1: Sometimes your charger is literally just a dinner plate. Um, okay. It's just, it's the, they just, some brides just want a plate down on the table from a decorative standpoint, as opposed to just the tablecloth because they think it looks more finished. Yeah. Um, and it brings a... a my, my <laughs> the <laughs> clock is chiming um, because it, it gives um, a little bit more decor to the table.
0: Okay. So a charger, it's not a really important. It's an industry term. Really. It's an industry it's term, yes. <laughs> well, in the ignorance. same way,
1: in the same way that um, another term that often throws people is the difference between a place card and an escort card. Um, most people oh. refer to place cards. Um, a place card is really is a misused. Um, term. An escort card is what most people have. Uh, An escort card escorts you to a table. So Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Smith, table one, that's an escort card that gets you to the table. A place card places you at a specific seat at that table. Most Americans don't do place cards. Most Europeans um, do. Interesting. Um, Now, some... uh, that doesn't mean that it's never done, because I certainly do do it. And also, very often, head tables will have place cards to make sure that the bride and groom get in a specific seat, and they have their maid of honor, best man, where they want them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will almost always do escort cards, not always place cards.
0: Interesting. That's another trick So, just so people. So, see, so our, a typical table is... 10 seat? 8 a seat? typical seat?
1: table is a sixty-inch round that seats eight, nine, or ten. Okay. Then the other most standard table is a seventy-two-inch round that seats eleven and twelve. Now, there's also there's um, thirty-inch, thirty-four-inch, forty-eight. 52, 60, 66, 72, 88. Wow. So there's a variety of rounds, and then you've got all your rectangles as well and squares. Um, but your standard table that most of us are used to is a 60-inch round that seats 8, 9, or 10. Um, the reason why you can't put 11 at a 60-inch round is that the circumference of the outside of the table only allows for so many chairs around it. Given and your standard width, width of, of your chair. chair is 18 inches, and if you have, if you try and put another chair in, then the chairs end up being f- far away from the table, and you're literally having to reach. Eight inches oh, wow. to cut your meat and yeah. eat and that's weird. So um, once <laughs> you weird. hit ten people at a sixty inch round, your chairs have now there's they're basically touching each other mm-hmm. when they when they're pushed in for you to sit and eat properly. Um, so it's a real problem if, as in that last few days, as you're trying desperately to seat everyone, if you go, oh, I don't care, put Uncle you know, Stephen at that table. I don't care if there's 11 people there. Well, you will care because those people are going to be reaching in order to cut their food, and they're not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you will hear about it over the next five Thanksgivings. <laughs>
0: that's, that's very, very funny. What else? Trans- when you say transportation, you're really talking about
1: well there's a, there's transportation has actually become very complicated. Mm. Um and it's also there's a difference between transportation if everything is at one venue or if you have a ceremony at a church or temple and a reception at a different location and if you're getting dressed at the location or at a different place. So let's make it as complicated as, process <laughs> okay. as possible. Okay. We have a bride who's getting ready at her family home. She's then going to go to the temple for ceremony. Mm-hmm. Then she's going to go to the site for the reception. Okay. And her guests... Um, Because there's a lot of -of out-of-town guests So they're all at a hotel And she doesn't want people driving home At midnight after drinking all night So she wants to get some buses for them So we have um, A limousine For her To take her and her dad From the house to the temple. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a limousine for the bridal party. We have another limousine that's picking up the groom and the groomsmen to make sure they get there on time. Then all of those um, uh, converge on the temple, wait for ceremony, and then drive the bride and groom to the site and the bridal party and family member to the site in the limousines. And then the buses take the guests from the hotel to the ceremony, wait at ceremony, take them to the reception, and then come back and take people back to the hotel because you can't just leave them there. They have to get transported back. And the whole idea is that you don't want people driving after they've been drinking for four hours. Um, So that's a variety of transportation. I've had people who have been transported in anything from, um, hay rides to horse and buggies, to antique DeSoto cabs, to you know beautiful Model Ts, to you know these modern um, SUVs that have like light shows going on in the room.
0: Now you know my question is going to be: is is where where this fits in the budget?
1: Well, again, you that again. becomes a priority. Yeah. Let's say I'm dealing with a bride who. I know is going to have a lot of transportation, then I know that I've got to put a bigger number in the the budget for transportation. And that number could be Mm $5,000 or more. If I had a bride who was an equestrian, I knew that she was going to somehow want a, a horse, horse and buggy somewhere, right? in there somewhere <laughs> because that was going to make her really, really happy because she was an equestrian and being able to touch. I'm working on a wedding right now where the bride is really, she loves, loves, loves animals. Um, and and we're, she's getting married in a museum in Midtown, and we're arranging for a petting zoo. Um, during wow. the cocktail hour. Luckily, the museum has an outdoor space, and the um, petting zoo is um, very, very wonderful, lovely. There's someone who we can trust takes really good care of the animals, but she loves goats and farm animals. Um, and so we're putting together a little petting zoo that will be part of her, her cocktail hour.
0: So she doesn't love it enough to say, I want to go up to Stone Barns in Tarrytown and have a whole outdoor feel. No, um, but... But she wants that touch. Wants that touch, correct. Now that's up to you. Like if she says, this is my blue sky It's up to me to And it's up to you out. to find out, yes. where am I going to find a petting zoo? Right. That'll come. How much are they going to cost? What's the... what? Well, their cost, what's the liability? Oh, what insurance their is a big thing.
1: And to make sure that it's a, an operation that I can respect and appreciate where I know that everything's being well taken care of. Sure. Um, there are, um, for example, like if you're doing an Indian wedding, um, it's depending upon how um, strict you're going to be to cultural norms. The groom needs to come in in a horse or an elephant. Um, that needs to be a part of it. Oh, wow. Um, so those those are things that it's like, how Now, if you're in midtown Manhattan,
0: how are you going to manage that?
1: That's tough. <laughs> um, and um, how much magic can you work? Is that actually um, a
0: a, tradi- a cultural yes. tradition in an Indian wedding? Yes. That the groom should come in on a horse um, or a- Well,
1: let's put it this way. I, I'm answering that because I have been asked to do that.
0: Right. In your experience,
1: in my experience, I've been asked to for the the groom to come in on a horse, um, because that was really important for part of the the traditions. Um, one time when I did um, an Indian wedding, we obviously couldn't have an elephant there uh, I shouldn't say obviously we couldn't have an elephant there but what we did the structure that was built um, for the wedding had silver Indians uh, elephants built into it carved into it so the presence mm-hmm. um, of the elephant was there in the structure that they got married under Right, um, and that was really important for them um, it's being very respectful of each individual family's tradition. Mm -hmm. and what is important to them and what brings them a sense of joy. Um, And satisfaction is really important. And it varies from family to family. Um, It can vary within a family. I've done many events where I've done like three children within the same family. And each child has a slightly different take on the family traditions and what they want to bring to the event. And that all needs to be respected. Now, I'm sure that, you know, anyone listening to this, it's like, I was raised Indian. That's not important to me. Or that's not what, you know, I would have. And that's very possibly true. In the particular case Mm -hmm. with this family that I was dealing with, that's what was asked for. And that was what was important in their traditions.
0: Okay, so let's get to the cake. Okay. (laughs) Just saying saying goodbye.
1: Um, The cake is something where... um, I've had a lot of brides. And how did this
0: whole cake thing
1: start? You know, I don't know where the tradition started for feeding each other cake. Um, I do know that I've had a lot of weddings where we don't even do a cake at all. We yeah. just have dessert. Um, or we have, or have a
0: cake, Or you have a cake and you don't cut it.
1: You don't cut it. It's just there. Or the bride just cuts it off to the side. Yeah. Um, I did a really fun wedding where the bride and groom were both actors. And they were very much into symbolism of everything. And they didn't like the idea of cutting apart a cake they wanted to build their wedding was about joining and building not cutting apart and I thought you know what That makes sense. I like these people. I like this. I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah. Um, So what we did instead of a cake cutting, um, the caterer wheeled out a cart, and on the cart was a plate of brownies, scoops of ice cream, hot fudge, whipped cream, cherries, and they built a hot fudge sundae, a brownie base, hot fudge sundae, and then they shared that with each other, and all of their guests for dessert got a hot fudge sundae. Needless to say, the guests were thrilled.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to (laughs) say.
1: Having a delicious hot fudge sundae as opposed to traditional wedding cake was like a real plus. But I thought that was brilliant.
0: But that also goes back to your staffing. Like you have to be able to say, 25 minutes before the end of the party, we still need a full staff of waiters to be able to rush. Correct. You you don't want uh, ice cream sundae soup. Correct.
1: The the kitchen has to be able to pull that off. Right. Um, And and most sites can but you need to ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. Well, there's a cost factor to that. And that's the difference between a place that's $75 per person and some place that's 350 a
0: person. Interesting.
1: Um, you have it isn't just the food. Like the
0: ratio of waiter to table? There's a
1: right. There there are places in New York where I know that my entire serve out. Um So I know that I can have a hot first course because it's going to come out in seven minutes, done. And that allows me to, for like 200, 250 people, it is served out. There are other places where I know the serve out will be 20 minutes. It's a different setup. It's a different kitchen. They plate food differently. They serve differently. Um, And it's just, that's kind of part of what I need to know. Can I tell you
0: from a band leader standpoint? That is my nightmare.
1: Oh, it I when
0: someone has a 20 minute it's serve out, it's just the first people are done. It's really tough before someone else gets served.
1: That's right. And, and so, how do you play music? Yeah, how do you to, play music? Correct. Right. Now, the oh, sorry, That's the it. places who serve out slower very often um, it is done not necessarily for um, economy reasons, they are what's called firing up the food much more individually. Mm. Um, And they have maybe smaller kitchens, fewer ovens, so they can only put so many steaks on and fire them at a certain time. They can't get 200. They don't have the oven space for 200 um, steaks being flipped and fired at the same time. They have to do them in groups of 20, which slows down service. And you don't want them to go faster because the food will really not be good. You have to give them the time to do that. So it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I've had country clubs that, um, Beautiful food, wonderful service, but it will take 20 minutes to get the first course, I mean, to get the entree out because they're firing them up in smaller batches, and that has to be sacrosanct. It can't be shifted.
0: So, really, the two moving parts to wedding that can't, obviously, the things that can't change you can't change the flowers once they're down, you, you can't change the menu once you've made it. The music can change in the photographer. Do. Correct so, game day decisions. Yeah, so if if I get there and you say to me, All right, it's going to be it's gonna take twenty minutes for service, well, beautiful if, service. If
1: I'm working on the wedding, yeah. I'm creating a timeline mm-hmm. that I then let the site evaluate and say, is this correct? Have I given you enough time? How do I need to shift it? Um, and then they tell me, like, oh, my gosh, no, you're, you've only given me seven minutes for serve out, and I need 15 or I need 20. They will tell me that. Then once I get that information, then I share that with the band and the photographer so that you guys know exactly what
0: you're going to be facing. Okay, so take it away from me because I know what I would do. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I would do. Tell me if you—if if this is what you would think. I'll start playing very soft Exactly. American songbook.
1: Right. Or more you know. Frank Sinatra or, 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 uh, dancing yeah, music. Yeah, Correct. It, more it
0: had to be you. Correct. You know, we're not going into earth, wind, and fire because then you're blasting the music while well, people are still sitting down to eat this very expensive, very lovely right. meal.
1: Um, also, so if I have the, the money and the budget for it, if I know that I'm going to have a protracted entree service... I might bring on special entertainment. Right, That's when you would bring in um, somebody who is a Frank Sinatra specialist. Or I've got a bride and groom who are really into Broadway shows, so we bring in Mm, a duo and do a little cabaret piece. Um, You do something special like that.
0: I'd Uh, always love to see, like... Having someone like Dooley Wilson from Casablanca <laughs> come an in and play the piano and um, sing. I had like, an
1: electric, electric violinist do a 20-minute set. Now, I've been really lucky. I once got to work with um, Diana Krall, and she did a 20-minute set. Yes, we talked about that. Uh, yeah, that was
0: And so you, cool. had, you had both of our favorites.
1: <laughs> Tony Bennett.
0: Tony Bennett.
1: So that was really neat, but that's very special. <laughs> very <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it could be someone within your band. Um, that you just know has a real talent. Mm-hmm. can sing they Beatles special- songs. Exactly. You sit
0: on a stool with an acoustic guitar and sing And that Black entertains
1: Bird. the people while the final exactly. group is being fed. And usually once the final plate goes down, if you give another five minutes, you can then go into a full yeah. dance set. Yeah. Hit it. But that does mean that the first table served Has been finished probably for 15, 20 minutes before the next dance set
0: starts. But we're entertaining them with something. Yes. And they can get up and dance. I'm always telling people, you know, there's nothing wrong with if a dozen people get up and dance. Yeah.
1: You can have some Nat King Cole, all that kind of, oh my God, it can be beautiful dance music. But it's not, um, most brides think of a more raucous dance Um, sets. But it doesn't have to be. It can be beautiful. And I actually think having an up and down flow makes for a better dance. It's it's not unusual for me to have the discussion of, um, great, you want a dance party and you're thinking of dances at college. Well, you're in jeans and barefoot <laughs> and you're you're not in full hair and makeup in four inch Jimmy Choo's. Um,
0: and you're not dancing with your father.
1: Exactly. It's a and different kind of dancing. Right. Um, you don't want, usually you don't get really sweaty and nasty <laughs> until like the last 45 minutes. Before that, usually like, 20 30 minutes you need a little bit of a break and some downside anyway so i find that flow up and down to actually be a benefit for a wedding
0: my very favorite story you ever told the the coke can I'll, i'll i'll end this with the coke can oh again okay um Obviously, because you talked about the the, the four inch Jimmy shoes. shoes.
1: I mean, obviously, women are just—it's horrible the way that we put our feet into shoes that are inhuman torture chambers, and poor brides and bridal parties and parents, your your feet halfway through the evening. Who are not just wearing evening. it for four hours; they're no, wearing it for eight hours. It starts with pictures, and they've been in. By the time Ten they hours. walk down the aisle, their feet are already hurting, usually because they've been mm-hmm. in the shoes long enough. So what we do is we take ice cold cans of soap. Or beer that have been kept in, you know, the ice bins, and slip them underneath their table. They slide out of their shoes, and then they roll their painfully swollen feet over these ice cold cans of soda or beer and within five minutes the ice of the cold is reducing the inflammation in that bottom muscle of your yeah, foot yeah yeah i think you called it the, like
0: the plantar, fascious, plantar fascia i think that's what's called <laughs> yeah. although
1: if you're a, a I'm doctor look it you're gonna, yeah, gonna <laughs> correct it me um, and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay i can put my feet back in the shoes and continue or we we very often have different pairs of shoes waiting for them the issue with um is though
0: the hem lines the length of the The dress you don't want the The dress dress. you don't want to change into sneakers
1: you can't because the dress has been him to the four inch heels
0: right or ballet slippers
1: and that's a hard one (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but uh i just i the poor feet of these women it's just it pains me and of course i'm in you know flat i was just gonna ask
0: you what do you what do you wear it's because you're if you're literally spending a 20 hour day
1: i i'm in a soft soft soled Uh, It's not a sneaker, but it is a soft-soled rubber shoe, uh, sold shoe, um, that allows me to run. Uh, Now, at the end of the night, I come home and I do my own um, freezing. I actually have um, freezer socks kept that I keep in my freezer all the time that I specially bought. Um, And I come home and I put a heat pack on my back and my uh, freezer socks on my feet. And I pour a glass of wine and have some Advil and go, ah, Um, But even after 30 years of doing weddings, um, the moment of just sheer that always puts a smile on my face is when the bride is about to go down the aisle. And her music um, begins, and we give her usually like beat, 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 and then go. <laughs> and as she takes her first step, I'm kind of hidden in the back, and I floof her dress so that it it comes up, fills with air, and as she begins walking, uh. it lands beautifully. And there's a, a kind of a flip that I do in the air so it fills properly. Um, and as I watch her walk down the aisle to her beautiful music, it's just, it Oh, I love that moment. 30 years of doing weddings, it still just goes,
0: oh, I love it. Well, that is so And great. when I,
1: I'm i driving home, it's like, oh, that was great. And it makes me feel really, really good. And
0: I love it. You know, what's really interesting is that everyone that I've spoken to, well, of course, I've handpicked the people I've spoken to, but we're all people that love weddings. Yeah.
1: This can't just be a job. This has to yeah, be a bit of a passion. It really is. Yeah. It, it has to And everyone is too different. It's weird,
0: too weird of a job. <laughs> Ovanda, oh, Vonda, thank you You're so welcome. much. You are the sweetest person who ever lived. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, my God, how long were we talking?